0: Hello, my friend, welcome back to the club. How are you today? I am doing really well because I just got back from an awesome event at Polyface Farm in Virginia, where I was asked to be a speaker for the God's Good Food event. I have always wanted to go to Polyface. It's been on my bucket list of places to visit for some time now, ever since I saw Joel Salatin in the Food Inc. documentary years ago. Um, He is this innovative, outspoken, um, he calls himself the lunatic farmer, and he just has this really dedicated approach to food um, and farming and the Lord. Um, He just, he talks all about how we create sustainable food production. That's good for the land, good for the animal, and good for the human. Um, He is a worldwide influencer in the holistic health space and he runs polyface farm and so i've just always wanted my husband and i to both to get to go and visit there and so what an honor um he was telling us one of the first things that we did the first morning we were there we took a pasture walk um just kind of walked a little bit out into the pasture and joel opened us in scripture and he was talking about um when he got to meet prince charles i guess it's now king charles um because Prince Charles at the time had requested to meet with Joel after seeing the documentary, which um, is kind of fascinating and also quite refreshing that Prince Charles just really was taking an interest in this sustainable farming and thinking about all of this. But the whole reason that Joel brought it up and how he was linking it um, to the Lord is that he was saying that an experience of meeting royalty was just something like he'd never experienced before. Um, It was just very quiet and reverent. And he compared it to how different it would be to like meet a celebrity, you meet a celebrity, and everybody's loud and trying to take pictures and like, "Ah," you know, and he's like, but when you meet royalty, it's just very quiet and reverent. And, um, and he's, you know, he was thinking that experience made him thinking about being in the presence of true royalty, which is jesus christ our lord and savior i don't know if many people know how devout a christian joel is but i am telling you he is all about our king and the entire weekend was steeped in scripture and fellowship and good food and speakers who were all dedicated to giving glory to the lord Um, and that was put on by maureen and aaron at god's good table and it was just such a pleasure you know like I said, I've always wanted to go there and to be asked to be a speaker there was just a real Ephesians 320, you know, more than you could ever amass, ask or imagine kind of moment. Um, I got to hang out with several podcast listeners while I was there. That was fun. And somebody that's going to be joining our next cohort in the School of Christian Health and Nutrition. Uh, I loved getting to meet and visit with those ladies and their Um, and their husbands who were there. A lot of couples there together. I loved that. Um, That was really neat. Everything was outdoors. So, you know, I love that because I was literally getting sunshine in my eyes for like eight hours a day, two days in a row, and then half a day on Sunday. Um, Mostly we were under a shaded seating area. But remember, you can get good sun signals in your eyes even when you're sitting in the shade. You just really need to be outdoors. So, I had good sun time. I had good grounding time. We had wonderful food. We had homemade sourdough, bread and butter. Um, we had chicken and pork from right off the farm, fresh cold brew coffee with raw milk cream. I mean, it was delightful. I will be having some of the speakers from the event on future podcast episodes. Every speaker, you know, steeped their presentation in scripture. It was just awesome. And they had asked me Maureen had asked me to speak about fasting. And I was like, you want me to speak about fasting at a food event. So I was kind of nervous on how that would be received. But (laughs) it went great. A Lot of engaging questions. Um, People, you know, seemed very interested. So it was, it just went really well. And I'm just relieved and grateful for both. Um, Because this was one of those TCB you know, taking care of business moments that I was talking about a few episodes ago, I've had this presentation looming on my schedule, all through this summer stress, you know, and right on the heels of transitioning um, my son into his new situation. I'm having that big transition with him, it just kind of all converged at the same time. And, you know, it was just kind of tough. Um, and I, I had to show up, you know, I had to show up for all of it, the peaks and the valleys. And so now I feel like I've really um, kind of come over the mountain, if you will. <laughs> Not that it's all downhill from here. But man, um, to make it on the other side um, of those things, um, it just feels really um, like such a relief, I can breathe a little bit easier now um, that I'm past Kind of these two big things. Also kind of interesting, at the same time, at almost this exact same time, I was giving my presentation at Polyface um last Saturday. My daughter was singing the national anthem um, to kick off our annual rodeo weekend here in Sonora. And that was just such a big deal. Um she was asked by the Chamber of Commerce earlier in the summer to sing and you know, we were all kind of surprised, like what? (laughs) It's not like she's a you know tries to be a professional singer or anything but she did win her little 4-h competition um for performing the cups song from pitch perfect you know when you play the cups and she's sang. so anyway that's where they kind of got the idea to ask her to do it um, but she's never done anything like that before and so when they asked her i was like well, what are you gonna do you know and so she thought about it for a while she consulted one of her friends naturally because that's what you do when you're 12 years old um or 48 years old like me <laughs> I think that's a natural thing to do um but when it came down to it you know she said you know mom I'm really scared and nervous but I just think I'll regret it if I don't do it and I was like right on sister I mean what a wise little girl that took me ai l- didn't learn that until I was probably in my 30s um so I was really proud of that more than anything. And I didn't get to see her performance, you know, cause I had already made these plans for Polly Face, but I got to see the recording and she did great. And it was just such a happy day um, for both of us. And so, you know, just a really, really good day. While we were in Virginia, my husband and I took a few side trips. Um, we went to visit Mount Vernon, which is uh, the home of George Washington. And we went to monticello which is the home of thomas jefferson and that was really really cool i um, highly recommend both of those places and it is what inspired my topic for today as you might guess my favorite room in the whole house both houses to see was the kitchen (laughs) um well and the gardens and the meat and the wine storage kind of anything that had to do with the food you know i was all about it i was up all in the business like the people talking and like asking questions. Um, it's funny. It just, it makes you feel like a big old spoiled baby with all the modern conveniences that we have when you see how hard they had to work, um, for food, you know, and to produce food and make a meal happen. What I found super interesting was learning that the two founding fathers and their households normally ate two meals a day. And at Mount Vernon, we learned that breakfast was at 7.00 AM. And dinner was at 3pm. There was really no lunch to speak of. Now, if they had guests for dinner, they would actually have a formal dinner and that would be at 9pm. And I was like, man, that is late. (laughs) Why so late? Why not seven? Um, But yes, they had it at 9pm when there were formal guests around. Another fascinating thing I learned about Jefferson is that he soaked his feet in an ice bath every morning for 15 minutes. He kept a little basin right beside his bed. And you know, of course he had someone to fill it up for him every morning, which you know, is helpful. But it was the very first thing he did. And he believed it was the key to his good health and long life. I find that so fascinating with what we know now about the benefits of cold plunging. Now this is not full submersion, obviously, it was just his feet but you can get really good benefits still by doing something like that, or even um, splashing or kind of submerging your face in, a, in an ice cold um, water bath for a little bit, obviously not too long, um, so you can breathe, but um, I have done that. I have done that when I've had a really bad headache, um, just kind of dunked my head in an, a bowl of ice water, it does help. Um, also putting ice at the base of your neck or kind of that upper mid back region can be helpful for stimulating mitochondria that's what we're trying to do here when all this cold plunging activity we're really trying to affect our mitochondria which are energy makers in the cells Um, but when you put it right there on your back ice on the base of your neck and your upper back it helps stimulate some of that um, the mitochondria will help stimulate some of your white fat into more metabolically active brown fat so I have been known to uh, grab some meat out of the freezer that I want to defrost for later in the day and throw it on my back. <laughs> Go sit on the couch and kind of, you know, wriggle it up on my, on my neck there and just sit with that, that cold um, frozen meat on my back. Yes, I am weird. That's one of the weird things that I do from time to time. But hey, I figure it's being efficient. I need to defrost the meat, you know, burning a little fat, you know, why not? Um, anyway. Learning that meals were served two times a day and so early in the day just really caught my attention because this is something that is recommended to enhance leptin sensitivity. Well, not necessarily the two meals a day, but eating earlier in the day. But all of this works together. You know, leptin, meal time, uh, meal timing, fasting. And so I thought that's what we could talk about, especially since leptin is such a hot topic right now. Um, And I think that's the best place to start because you may not know what leptin is. Leptin is a relatively newly discovered hormone. It was discovered in the 90s. So that's kind of like toddler or young child, you know, time when we're thinking about science time, like it's, it's still relatively young, there's a lot that's been learned, and a lot yet to be learned. But why leptin matters to you is because it is the primary um, hormone that regulates body fat many people think that's insulin many people think it's thyroid hormone those definitely play a role but leptin is kind of like the bigger picture boss hormone when it comes to that so leptin is responsible for sending signals to your brain that um, whether you're hungry or full or you need to eat and it regulates your body's energy expenditure And when we talk about energy, um, we're talking about fat, which is stored energy. So it's determining how you store or burn fat. Now, I've always referred to leptin as the put down the fork sister hormone. And then the opposite of leptin is ghrelin, and we call that the pick up the fork sister hormone. And that's what signals hunger. So with ghrelin, you can think of your belly, you know, your belly going grrr, like it's hungry. So that's the hunger hormone. Both of these are, you know, hunger hormones. And so, as you can imagine, it's kind of important to have those working efficiently to, you know, keep your appetite regulated and to keep your fat regulated. Now, leptin doesn't necessarily affect your hunger levels from meal to meal. It's really more of like a bigger picture. taking the bigger picture of your energy situation, and then driving you to eat more or less. Here's the problem. Many people are leptin resistant, which means their bodies are not getting the signal from leptin, which means they're not getting the signal to stop eating that they're full or to properly manage fat. Okay. Now we've talked about the concept of insulin resistance many times here on the podcast. That is what leads to type 2 diabetes. When someone is insulin resistant, their cells are not receiving that signal, that message from insulin to open up and receive glucose or sugar. So insulin is kind of like the key that unlocks the door to the cell to let the sugar in to be used as energy. All right. And so when the cell is insulin resistant, that means the sugar can't get into the cell and it stays in your blood, which is dangerous. Our blood can only hold so much sugar at a time. Um, And so we want to get that sugar out of the blood and into the cell so it can be used for energy. Um, When it can't, this just this becomes a compounding problem because the more sugar that's hanging out in your blood, the more your body's like, Oh, we need more insulin. We got to get that pump out this insulin so that I can get into the cell. And so your pancreas is cranking out more insulin. um, trying to get those cells to open up and accept it. But the more insulin you crank out, the more resistant your cells become. When I teach this in feast of fast, I use the analogy of having a pesky neighbor. It's like if you had a neighbor that came over too much, and you're like, oh my gosh, I cannot let her in here anymore. And so you're like in your house and you're pretending you're, you're hiding, pretending you're not there. So you don't have to enter the door. That's kind of what happens. Your cells are like, I am not answering this door. And so they're not letting the insulin in. And so then the sugar can't get in. Um, and it becomes this vicious cycle. Meanwhile, the more insulin is being cranking out, you know, cranked out and hanging around and insulin blocks fat burning. Okay, because insulin is a hormone that's like, it's time to store food, right? It's trying to open up the cell to put the sugar in there, like here, we're going to put it in here. So it's trying to put it away. So it is a more of a storage hormone, not a burning hormone. So that is most definitely um, a problem. And so the more insulin that you have hanging out, uh, the the more you cannot burn fat. And that's why a lower carb diet can be effective because it lowers insulin, lets your cells become more receptive to letting insulin and sugar in. Kind of like the pesky neighbor, you know, if the pesky neighbor backs off for a little while, then you're like, okay, I kind of miss her. That'd be cool if she came back over and you let her in again. And that's what happens with your cells. You know, they're like, okay, we've had a break. You can come back in now. And, um, and that's really what we do in Feast of Fast um, is kind of really work on, on this a lot. Um, and Feast of Fast is starting in a few weeks in the Christian Health Club. But all that to say, we can become leptin resistant in the same way we become insulin resistant, where the cells, the brain cells, especially are not going to receive this message that we're full, you know, and that we have plenty of energy for the cell to use. And so if the brain's not getting that message, um, that there's plenty of fuel to use, it's going to signal you to eat. It's going to stimulate appetite because the cells, the mitochondria, they need fuel to make energy to to run your body. That's what all of this is about. This is all about energy management, you know, insulin, thyroid, hormone, and leptin. And we're gonna talk about all three of those. Um, We're talking about all three of those today, but we've got to make sure this, you know, the body knows that it can make energy and that it has energy. Because, you know, how is your liver going to work or your brain going to work or your intestines going to work or anything going to work if those mitochondria can't make the energy. So very important. And then so leptin, you know, again, more than just being a hormone that signals hunger is really a hormone that manages how your body accounts for and uses this energy, you know, whether it's going to burn calories, whether it's going to, you know, burn fat or store fat. Now. What's interesting about leptin is that it is produced by the fat cells. So, you know, who knows better how much fat you have than your fat? <laughs> so <laughs> your fat cells are what produce, um, produce the leptin and then the leptin travels to your hypothalamus that is in your brain. The hypothalamus is like the boss in your brain and it tells your brain how much energy is available to be burned and stored. And whether or not, you know, you need to eat more or not. So you would think that a person who is obese, would have plenty of leptin telling the brain like, Hey, we've got, you know, plenty of fuel here. Um, Because, you know, fat is stored fuel, right? So like we got plenty of fuel on board. So we can back off the hunger. We can burn up all this fat here. Go for it. But just like with insulin, Leptin can become that pesky neighbor that nobody wants to let in. And so for a person that is overweight, a lot of fat, cranking out a lot of leptin, the body becomes leptin resistant. And that is so unfortunate, right? Because it's working opposite to what we need to happen. But the brain is not getting that signal that it needs. And so it will tell the body to slow down and conserve energy. Um, to store fat and um, to eat more. And just like with insulin resistance, it becomes a vicious cycle because the body will keep cranking out more leptin, trying to give the signal to the brain, but the brain ain't taking, ain't letting the neighbor in, okay? So how do we pull out of this hole, you know, if we've got leptin resistance? Well, again, here's something that's interesting and here's something that most people don't realize is that leptin is a very circadian sensitive hormone. So we're about to bring in our quantum biology here, okay? While you're sleeping, typically around the hours between um, midnight and 2 a.m., that is when leptin is, is giving its biggest report, its biggest presentation to the day to your brain about energy availability. You know, how much energy do you have available um, to use? And so what's supposed to happen is while you're sleeping, leptin is supposed to dock to the hypothalamus during the night, give your brain this information so that your brain can decide how to manage your energy for the next day. Um, You know, you're, you're not using quite as much energy when you're sleeping. And so you're, you're having a little, a little rest, you're fasting, your body's kind of supposed to be, you know, using up some of your stored energy. And then it's making that decision. Okay how are we how are we managing this and how are, what, what's the game plan for the next day okay and so this is pretty important information that's happening while you're sleeping and this is why one of the many many reasons sleep is so important and what leptin is actually giving a report on when we're talking about this energy this kind of being an energy accountant Giving an energy report, what it's really telling the brain is how many electrons you have available. If you remember from the podcast I did called the electron diet, our body runs on electrons. Okay, that's what our mitochondria, the energy makers in our cells, need to use to make energy. That is what metabolism is. Okay, using these electrons. You know, it's not um Dr. Jack Cruz says the body does not count calories, it counts electrons. And so when we're talking about food, what your body is really trying to get out of carbs and fats, which are the the fuel sources, the, the food fuel sources that our body uses for fuel is electrons. Okay. Um, and we get more electrons from fat than we do carbs. And as I've said, and will continue to remind you ad nauseum, is that our greatest source of electrons is, is not meant to come from food, but from the sun and from grounding. Okay, but the less sun and grounding you get, the more your body relies on food to get electrons. So if you're inside all the time and you're never getting sun or electrons, you, you know, that is one reason you're going to be driven to eat more because you've got to get electrons from somewhere. That's what your body runs on. Right? But if you'll step outside and receive some of that easy electron source, you don't have to eat quite so much. But. So that's what you need to know. The first thing you know need to know about restoring leptin sensitivity is that you need more electrons and you can get them freely through sunshine and grounding because that's the way God made us. And what we're doing is just we're giving and reassuring the body that we have plenty of electrons to use. And so you know, you don't have to store any, hoard any in your fat. That's really that's really what, you know, the holding on to fat is, is holding on to those electrons because your body must have electrons to work to make energy another thing you can do when we're talking about you know restoring leptin sensitivity and this is where my trip to mount burning comes in is to eat earlier eat within about 30 minutes to an hour of sunrise okay um you want to break your fast earlier rather than later in the day, because sun, food and sleep are what we call Zeitgeibers. I am so excited I get to use this word. (laughs) I love words. And I think this is such a fun one. Zeitgeber is a German word that means timekeeper. And so light, food and sleep are our primary timekeepers and signalers of circadian rhythm. Remember I said leptin is a very circadian sensitive hormone. Having good circadian rhythm makes everything in the body work more optimally. And so when we're looking to restore leptin sensitivity, we want to honor these zeitgebers. okay? So with light, we wanna expose ourselves to sunrise light, um, in UVA morning light, you know, tell the brain it's morning help set our cortisol and melatonin for the day. Melatonin is going to be very important for our other Zeitgeiber sleep, right? Um, and so we want to make sure that we are um, getting our light signals right in the morning. Um, you, you know, if we have um, cortisol and melatonin are our, our two, you know, our, our daytime and our nighttime hormone, And so uh, we've got to make sure that we are getting those timed correctly. And so the sun is going to be a major input of that. Okay. Um, As far as food is a Zeitgeiber, we know that we're meant to eat with the sun, with the sun and the sun. Right. That's what I like to say. We want to eat when it's light out and we want to eat with Jesus and we want to thank him for the food for the blessings that um, everything that nourishes our body. So when it comes to restoring leptin sensitivity, it's better to break the fast earlier rather than later in order to assure the body that energy is available right from the get-go. You know, like I said, the hypothalamus is making the decision about how best to utilize energy for the day. And so when it gets the signal that food, which is energy is present first thing, you know, it's like, okay, cool. You know, we've got some energy here and we don't have to store and hoard quite so much. So when you eat within about an hour or so of sun rising, sunrise, you're solidifying two Zeitgeibers right off the bat, okay? Um, when you're getting sun first thing in the morning, um, and you're so you're giving that signal to your body, and then you're giving another signal to your body with food. And so you're getting lots of electrons, Um, actually the signal coming into your eye from sun is not the electrons get on your skin. So when the sun hits your skin, that makes electrons, but we're setting our circadian rhythm, our cortisol and melatonin by that early morning sun. And then we're getting our food, um, close to that as well. And so again, we're solidifying those two important zeitgebers, assuring the body that we've got our timing, right? We've got energy here. We're good to go okay with that first meal um, ideally you want it to be primarily made of fat and protein Um, again fat because it's higher in electrons than carbs and then protein so you can restore those essential amino acids uh, for muscle protein synthesis talked about that in quite a few podcasts as well 30 grams is a really great target for that it's not wrong to eat carbs at breakfast you know a nice piece of freshly milled wheat bread is quite lovely the kitchen staff um, at Mount Vernon got up at four in the morning to make fresh bread every day. And then I read that at Monticello, um, they made muffins and hot wheat and corn bread and um, cold ham as options for breakfast. So pretty bread heavy there, but you know, their circadian rhythm was pretty solid and they didn't have all the toxins that we have now. So, um, but the best way to really, for us to optimize electrons and fat burning is to focus on fat and protein at you know at that first meal of the day. So, I feel like you're probably wondering, okay, well, what about fasting? I thought we were supposed to delay breakfast for fat burning. If you are actively working to restore leptin sensitivity, it's best to you know look look to our founding fathers, <laughs> um, do it like they did it, eat early, stop early. I'm not saying you have to stop at 3 p.m., but the sooner you wrap it up for the day, the better. You can still fast between 12 to 16 hours. Um, You're just going to be fasting more during the latter half of the day rather than the earlier half of the day, right? So if say right now you're fasting until 11 a.m. or noon, not breaking your fast until then, you would start working um, that backward to try to start eating earlier, maybe closer to seven or eight. And that might be a process, you know, because it could be hard for some of you who are in the habit of eating later. We have some ladies in the Christian Health Club who have been playing with the leptin protocol. And they not only said, you know, that it was challenging to eat earlier, but they went through a period of being more hungry during the day. Once they started eating earlier, like their appetite just kicked into gear, they were ravenous. And that was both unexpected and, um, frankly, not very welcome. <laughs> they were like, "What is happening? Why am I so hungry? What is going on here?" Now, their appetite did finally level out, but it was just one of those um, one of those changes. You know, when we when we kick digestion um, into gear earlier in the day, then like digest- digestion's like, okay, it's on. Let's do this thing, like let's get our meals in. And so um, it just really kicked digestion into gear. All those wheels started turning. But like I said, it did level out. Anytime we ask our body to make a change, whether it's an eating change, a fasting change, if we're going low carb, whatever it is, there's gonna be an adjustment period. I'm not saying you're gonna get ravenous if you try this, but you could. And it was really funny because it was happening to several of the members at the same time. And I'm so glad one of them posted about it because another one was like, oh my gosh, me too. And so it started this great chat. And that was just a great, that's a great example of how our um, our Christian Health Club community is just so wonderful to have because I haven't tried this yet. I'm interested in doing it as an experiment um now that you know after my trip to mount vernon and just kind of reading about it i'm like oh this i'm kind of gonna play with this because i love playing with things not really doing it as a leptin protocol i'm not leptin resistant my body has a pretty good handle on energy management um i typically break my fast around 9 a.m anyway so that's you know not going to be quite as hard for me to dial it back um it did get a little bit later this summer you know closer to 10 because i just I don't know, break my fast a little later in the summer. Things are just different in the summer for me. Um, But I've always been more of an eat early, break my fast early kind of a person anyway. Um, Okay, so I feel like the next question you might be wondering is, well, how do I know if I'm leptin resistant? There is actually a blood test that you can have for this. you're not going to normally find it on a a regular blood panel that you would do with your doctor, you would have to ask for it. I can also link to a just a direct test you could order for yourself if you want to do it. I'll put that in the show notes. Um, But you know, the signs that you could be leptin resistant would be if you have a hard time losing weight, or gaining weight, actually, it could be either one of those because this is about energy management. So whether it's having trouble um, holding on to energy or letting go of energy, could be either way. Um, If you're constantly craving food, if you don't ever feel full, those are all signs you could be leptin resistant. I'm not diagnosing anything here, but you know, those are typically the signs. Also, if you um, have hypothyroid, you may be leptin resistant. Like I said earlier, we, you know, often think of the thyroid as being the major, you know, kind of metabolic, um, gland or hormone of the body and, um, in the, um, thyroid hormone, you know, being the most important when it comes to that, but, um, really leptin precedes the thyroid because it influences whether or not the hypothalamus releases the hormone that tells the pancreas to release the hormone that tells the thyroid (laughs) to release hormone. Okay, Um, so so let's think about this, let's dial that back. Um, Remember, the leptin is giving the report to the hypothalamus so it can decide how to manage energy, right? The hypothalamus is the boss. The pituitary is the like the COO like the right hand man so your hypothalamus tells your pituitary what to do and your pituitary tells your endocrine organs what to do like your thyroid and your adrenals and your ovaries and this is all like done through hormones right the, the hormones are the messengers so it's like do this i'm going to send a hormone to tell you to do this and so if the hypothalamus if leptin is not, you know, giving the report to the hypothalamus because you're leptin resistant um, so that hypothalamus can make a good educated um, decision about how to manage energy for the day, if it's not getting that message, doesn't realize that you have plenty of energy stored that can be burned, it's going to hold back on giving the like giving the green light to the pituitary to tell the thyroid, yeah, let's turn it up, baby. Right. So... Um, So that could be the problem. Um, Dr. Cruz says leptin resistance turns off your thyroid gland. And he also says that um, reverse T3 is one clue that you may have leptin resistance. So if you're not, that's not normally a thyroid marker you're going to see on a normal thyroid panel. But when you have a more extensive thyroid um, panel done, like the ones that I do, we do have that reverse T3 marker. And that can be a sign of leptin resistance, if that is high. Um, I'm not saying that if you have hypothyroid, it means you're leptin resistant. There are a lot of reasons your thyroid could be underperforming. Maybe you don't have the right minerals or the amino acids to even make your thyroid hormone, right? Um, You've got to have those to both make hormone and, and manage it properly. Maybe your immune system has gone haywire, and it's causing an autoimmune condition involving your thyroid. That's why it's good to have those antibodies tested so you know if that's the case. But leptin resistance could be the issue too. So good to know about that. And so I would also say, um, as far as you know, signs that you might be leptin resistant, if you've hit a weight loss plateau, I think doing a leptin protocol is a worthy experiment, especially if you've had success intermittent fasting, but now you've kind of hit a wall especially if that intermittent fasting is like been taking place um, if you've been you know breaking your fast later in the day this could be a good time to change it up you know our body does really well with tweaks and changes it really helps keep it on its toes keeps things you know working um, being more adaptable you know stronger more resilient that's, you know, in Feast to Fast, we're working to be metabolically flexible, right? Metabolically adaptable, able to burn both carbs and fats really efficiently. Um, and so it's, it, that's, it's kind of the same principle, right? We, you want to change things up. You know, that's why like being on a long-term keto diet or a long-term carnivore diet, that's not creating um, flexibility, adaptability in the body. Now, short-term, sure, those things can be therapeutic and helpful for changing things up. Um, but we want to, we want our body, we want to keep it on its toes a little. We want it to get too comfortable. Also, you know, you can think of it like when we do exercise, the same exercise day in, day out, forever and ever, your body becomes more efficient at it. And it just doesn't becomes, you know, doesn't become, um, as useful or helpful or effective. Right. And so that's why, you know, you say we here to like change up our exercise routine here and there. Um, Same with the way that we're eating or fasting, you know, so we can change it seasonally, we can change our macros around, we can fast a little differently, play with timing, all of these are things that can be um, tweaked and played with to optimize metabolism. When I say our body likes change ups, I don't mean like swinging from, you know, one diet to another or making extreme changes all the time. I mean, having consistently good health habits, but with a little variety in to keep the body, you know, adaptable and resilient. So for me, that looks like, you know, more carbs and less fasting in the summer, but less carbs and more fasting in the winter, you know, of course, and that's, you know, based on sunlight, I'm really working with my circadian rhythm to drive a lot of those changes, trying to work on eating more seasonally, um, I'd like to, you know, throw a sprint in when I'm doing my walk, mix up the strength training exercises that I do, all of those things, right, still maintaining good health habits, but just little tweaks within that. Um, I think if you have leptin resistance, or want to experiment with a leptin protocol, you need to really honor the zeitgebers. Yes, I'm going to say that as many times as I can. <laughs> Honor your Zeitgeibers and be really steadfast about it. I would commit, you know, start going thinking, I'm gonna do this for 30 days, but honestly, you probably need to do it about up to 90, could take up to 90 days to three months to, you know, really see a change. So let's just kind of recap and talk about honoring these Zeitgeibers and what that means. We talked about light. Light signals hormones. You want to expose your eyes to natural outdoor light as close to sunrise as possible to set all of your hormones on the right trajectory for the day if you're an early bird like me and um like I am and do work before the sun comes up or you know you're somebody that gets up and looks at your phone first thing put on some blue blockers okay um red tinted ones would be better when it's before sunrise or after sunset Uh, that's why I do like the viva rays because you can just like click on the red layer over your yellow layer and then you know when the sun comes up you can take the red layer off um, and just have your yellow layer and then when sunset comes back you can put your red layer on again I like that having all the options Um, but looking at your phone or your computer first thing in the morning is giving your body the signal that it's about noon when it's not in your body that's really confusing for your body the blue light from screens is like being exposed to noontime all day long, except the the noon signal. The blue light from your screen is so much more intense. Like and if you stepped outside at noon, the light that you got outside would be um, not quite as intense as the blue light from your from your screen. And plus when you're outside, like we've talked about, you have the complement of so many other um, other light working together. Instead of your screens, it's like just straight up blue light, so hard on your body. That signal in your eye—it's like, like your body's like—I don't understand what's going on here. (laughs) So it's just confusing, right? It is a signal, and so it can confuse your hormones. So this light thing is really legit, y'all. Not, not kidding. And you know, we need to think about the fact that blue light stimulates cortisol, right? And so, especially at night, when we're thinking about it, when we're looking at our screens and stuff. Your body, it's time to make melatonin, but the more light you're looking at at night, that blue light, it's like, oh, it's noon. Better crank out some more cortisol and cortisol will block melatonin, okay? Those work inversely to one another. So when cortisol's up, melatonin's down. When melatonin's up, cortisol's down. Um, So we want to really uh, protect our eyes at night because you need that melatonin to go to sleep to help trigger that leptin signaling. So you wanna protect your eyes from blue light before sunrise and after sunrise. OK, so um, get outside as as soon as you can in the morning to get that light or when the light comes up, like if you're me and you're already up and step outside um, when the sun starts coming up. And then if you can get some of that early UVA sun in the morning, it is really helpful for balancing hormones and making sure we're going to make good melatonin in the evening for good sleep. I know it's kind of crazy to think about that, like how could the morning light determine wh- wh- how my melatonin is made? Well, I'm glad you asked. (laughs) Um, That UVA light in the morning kicks off the process of turning tryptophan into serotonin, which becomes melatonin. It's just this fascinating way that God made our bodies. And all you've got to do is step outside without glasses or sunglasses or contacts or anything covering your eyes um, to let that that light signal in. And so for me, like UVA light kicked off at about 8 a.m. this morning. All right. And I, I know that because I looked at my circadian app. I love that app. I highly recommend you downloading it. It's called circadian. They have a free version. They have a paid version. I just use the free version, but I, some people in the club use the paid version. They love it. Um, but that will tell you when UVA is rising for me, that usually coordinates about the time that I'm taking my walk in the morning. So it just really, I mean, really works well for me. Um, setting my hormones on that on that good path. Um the, obviously that UVA rise, that time that UVA is rising and becoming stronger in the morning, it's gonna be different depending on where you live and what time of the year it is. So another good reason to check out the circadian app so you know when that is. If you're, you know, I, I always think of um anytime I think of all these recommendations, I always think about teachers because especially right now it's back to school time. I'm like, you know, what how could this apply to teachers? Because they're pretty busy hardworking ladies that don't have ladies and gentlemen that don't have a lot of um you know they don't have a lot of flexibility sometimes in their day um but usually teachers are getting up pretty early going to school get that morning sun you know roll down your window on the way to school step outside three minutes all you need is three minutes of that early morning sun very helpful and then if there's any way you have a window that you could open in your classroom or you could step outside, take a break at any time. May not happen, but if you can, make that a priority to um, try to get some of that, more of that UVA sunlight in the morning. Okay, so um, light, other important, Zeitgeiber, sleep. Like I said, you wanna be in a good deep sleep by midnight when leptin is ready to give its report to the hypothalamus. Um, but again, that light that we get during the day is going to influence how we make and release melatonin at night, um, you know. So just all of this really works together. And then the last major important zeitgeber is food. So we want to break our fast earlier rather than later. Um, I would say within thirty to minutes to an hour of sun of the sun rising. And um, so you know, if you get your sunshine exposure and then follow that up with a meal, your body's going to feel secure about how to manage energy for the day. Another tip is that it would be better to try and delay caffeine until you have food. Um, I'm horrible at this because I get up so early (laughs) and I drink coffee at like 5 or 5:30 in the morning. Um, But you know, I'm putting on my so glasses. So what we're thinking about here is cortisol. Okay. So we do need to protect our. We want our cortisol to work right, whether it's you know pre sunrise or you know post sunset. Like we, we want our, we want to regulate our cortisol. And so getting up early, um, drinking coffee early, being exposed to light early, these all affect cortisol, which will affect melatonin, which can affect our leptin. Um, but as far as the caffeine goes. Um, it's one reason I don't feel, you know, as bad or beat myself up about being a dirty faster because I have a little bit of coconut milk in my coffee, a little bit of fat. Um, and that fat can help blunt the cortisol response that happens when we drink coffee. Um, so, you know, so that's what I do. Um, and then, of course, you know, wearing my, my glasses in the morning, doing those things just to try to help. But, um, you know, it is better to have your coffee with your meal. And so, you know, if you're backing your meal up and eating earlier, maybe that won't be so difficult for you. Especially if you don't get up quite as early as I do. Um, and then, don't ever forget that we always drink water before coffee. That's just that needs to be a rule, okay? We don't want to wake up and then like splash black coffee all over our organs. We want that to be water. <laughs> our body has been working hard all night, detoxifying and doing all this stuff, and you want to. You want to have some nice, pure, clean water going through your body and not starting with coffee. So, water first before coffee. Okay, and then as far as that first meal goes, like we talked about, really focusing on protein and healthy fat, not too carby. Um, our carb targets and feast to fast work well alongside this leptin protocol. You know, keeping it on the lower end is probably better, and the higher quality of the carb is obviously going to be better. Um, And also, again, by keeping insulin low, as we're regulating those carbs, we're keeping that door open the opportunity for the body to be able to burn fat. So we need the signal from leptin that says, you know, it's okay to burn fat. And then we need insulin to kind of be out of the way, be regulated, um, so that the body can actually will burn the fat. Right. So all of these, again, all of these hormones, these signalers, these messengers, they all work together. Um, But we need to to get them firing off correctly so that our body can manage this stored energy appropriately. But insulin will block fat burning. So we want to um, work on that as well. Um, Also, you want to eat two to three meals a day with no snacking in between. We just want to get back to those regular meal times. Um, that's going to help the whole foods like Geiber situation. Um, whether or not you eat two to three meals, really the most important thing here is that you're getting enough food, that you're getting enough energy, or if you like to call it calories, that's fine. You're getting enough food so that your body feels secure, that there's plenty of energy, and that you don't, you don't, know, it doesn't need to hold on to any, it does not need to hold on to fat, okay? Um, so that's the most important thing. Um, So eat two meals, three meals, um, don't be snacky. And then also making sure you stop dinner um, two to three hours before bed so that you can be fully digested and your body can get to sleep better. Again, you know, it'd be better, you know, the sooner you can wrap it up for the day, the better. But if you eat too late, then, you know, it takes your body a good two to three hours to digest from your last bite of food and it keeps things too hot in your body your body has to cool down by almost a degree to get into a good sleep mode and digestion just keeps it too hot it's a very intense hot process so we want to you know eat as eat early early enough so that by the time we go to bed that digestion process is done and then we're ready to go to, into detox mode we're ready to go into all those nighttime hormones melatonin leptin growth hormone all those you know all those hormones doing their thing their nighttime thing we really you know got that starts with like optimizing your body you know melatonin is really that signal to the body like okay we're going night night now so all of the other hormones now you can do your work so that's why that melatonin so important that's why managing the cortisol is so important so it doesn't block melatonin okay you with me getting putting all these together and then of course beyond the zeitgebers getting outside getting your electrons from sunshine on your skin and from grounding okay so just between you know being sandwiched between heaven and earth is what i like to say you know getting that sunshine shining on your body sucking up those electrons from the ground through grounding through your feet or whatever part of your body is touching um the ground and just really flooding your body with electrons so again we are assuring our body yeah i've got plenty of electrons to make energy I've got plenty of electrons for the mitochondria to use your body you do not need to hold on to any <laughs> let her go okay feel free to burn fat as needed um so that's what we want to do and those are really the, the main keys to getting leptin back on track they're not difficult things to do but they're you know as you can see there are several moving parts there are things to understand and to learn and so that's you know that's what we're going to be talking about more in the Christian health club as we go through feast to fast because this all really works together well with the fasting and the meal timing considerations and if you've been through the genesis prescription with me then you know the sun habits are familiar but if they're new to you that's something that we can uh, work on too and this is really why I've changed my format from offering my programs individually and to just putting them into one big all-inclusive package that includes all of my programs. So when you join the Christian Health Club, you're in for all of it. And that's going to serve you better, you know, coming in, knowing you're in for the long haul, knowing you're going to be learning about all all of these things, how they all work together, how to put them together instead of just kind of popping in for four weeks here and there. Okay, just for the long term, it's just, it's better for you because stewarding your body is an everyday lifetime process right? And that is what we do in the Christian Health Club. So I hope you'll come join us. Enrollment is open through the end of August. And then we're going to start Feast to Fast right after Labor Day. Um, Be putting all of these things into practice together because that is what we do. So come on and join us. You can find the links for more information and to sign up. I'll put them in the show notes. They're always on my website, in social media, um, or I'll email it directly to you in my Sunday send out. Okay, lots of places you can find it. All right, my friends. I hope you learned some good stuff today. I hope I explained it well. Um, again, like I said, it's not complicated, the things to do, but there's a lot. there are a lot of moving parts, you know, a lot of things, that, you know, the way that our body works together. And again, that is why we can't just go in and target like one little thing. There's so many things. God made our body so miraculously. So many things work together. We can't isolate certain things. It could be lots of things. And we just got to work on um kind of work on all the things and pulling them all together and just really honoring these inputs um these provisions and knowing understanding the way god made our body that is what is so important understanding these things so that you you know what to do and it's not just as simple as eating a carb or a fat or going outside and making vitamin d or whatever it is there's so much more that's what i love to teach you share with you put into practice with you and so I'm just so glad that you're here. I'm so glad for you, those of you in the club. Um, It just makes my day to get to um, share all of this with you and to get to say the words like "Guyber," That made my day too. All right, my friends, um, thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a healthy and blessed week and I will talk to you soon.